Welcome back to The Basement, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I am your host, as always, Kevin. Um, got a great little little podcast for you for you today. Great conversation. Uh, checking in with an artist that I, I respect and admire and uh, that we've talked to before. We're talking about one, Franz Nikolai. Now, you, you may know Franz, or you should know Franz, actually, from his unimpeachably good solo career. Uh, he has a handful of albums out there. I've uh, been touring as a solo act for quite a few years. But if you didn't know him from that, you probably know him from bands like, say, The Hold Steady, uh, Against Me, the uh, World Inferno Friendship Society, or even his his own thing, uh, sort of the little collective antisocial music. Um, which is to say uh, that Franz is a, is a creative dude. And uh, so anytime you get a chance to talk with him, anytime we get a chance to talk to him, uh, is is a absolute pleasure. Uh, so when he reached out and said, "Hey, you know, I've got this book coming out, a book called uh, The Humorless Ladies of Border Control, Touring the Punk Underground from Belgrade to Lanbatar," I said, "Oh, oh yeah," and uh, let me hit up the book. Now I, I've read, I haven't made it all the way through it yet, uh, but I, I will tell you this, and you'll hear us talking about this in a minute. Uh, this is, you know, you read a lot of rock books by uh, musicians and stuff, and it's all the all the tales of debauchery and stuff. This is not that. This is this is uh, sort of a document of him and his wife touring, and not in the way that you think. You know, there's not a lot of focus on these uh, the shows as they went, but it's more uh, almost like a, a, a on the ground, very specific tour guide. It is it is a joy to like turn the pages on this thing, and immediately you'll get sucked into it, and you'll feel like you're riding uh, right along with them on the train or the bus uh, or the various other ways that they had to travel on that. So. So, uh, Franz came by the house, came by the basement, stopped by, and we had a nice little chat. And so that's what you're about to hear. Uh, so if you're ready, and, uh, you, this is, seems like your type of thing, then let's hit it. This is episode number 205 of Chunky Glass of the Podcast. We're sitting down once again with the amazing Franz Nikolai. Okay. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man Merely a two-word review, just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up and then ask me. That right there is a logical fallacy. Franz. Last yeah. name? Nikolai. Nikolai. Okay. Yep. Not, not Nikolai. No, I get that a lot. That's, yeah. you know. Uh, it's, go, go ahead. It's funny. Um, I understand that more now um, about how, well, anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> um, last time we spoke, it was, uh, you were playing a house show. Yes. Uh, right since then, here. you have, uh, this is over in Washington, D.C. It was a phenomenal show. I think our friend Louis Weeks, who's now been on this podcast a few times, was playing opening for you. I think that's right. Uh, in fact, uh, I was hanging out with Sean Barna, who was also playing that you talked to mm-hmm. a while ago. Uh, he was very excited that you were coming over and, and wished that he could stop by. Uh-huh. But, uh, Good. He lives Tell on the corner now. Yeah, I, I will. Um, since that time, and I think you were start getting ready to do this right after that show, you have sort of traveled a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, now collected... <laughs> The stories of those travels into a uh, into a book. 
Your first book, right? First book, yeah, first yeah. Book. I put I had a collection of of short stories that that somebody put out as a chapbook in two thousand nine, uh-huh. and then I did that sort of thing for as as you know off brand tour merch for a couple of years, yeah, but yeah. um, but yeah, for, first first book proper, and it's not all the touring; it's specifically the touring in the the former communist world. Yeah, so Russia, Ukraine, Mongolia, Eastern Europe, and the Balkans. And I went to China too, but then we excised the the, uh, oh, the, no. chi- the China chapter from the book. <laughs> and and um, the book is called "The Humorous Ladies of Border Control." That's right, right. on the New Press. Um, and when did you know going into this tour that you were going to be doing this? Was this something you've been like thinking, "Hey, maybe I should write a book"? Because you've always written, mm-hmm. and I had sort of been ramping up the length of the writings. So I, um, right. um I had I was sort of looking for I, I figured it's time it's time to do to attempt a book length thing yeah. and was sort of looking for a topic and then um and then in twenty twelve um my wife and I embarked on a six month around the world tour. Mm-hmm. Um and I thought, well this is gonna be a good opportunity. I mean the 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 first idea was we didn't conceive of it initially as a as a six month round the world tour. Right. But we had con- w- the centerpiece of it was a month along touring along the Trans Siberian Railroad, mm-hmm. um, and so that was the initial idea. But then she had just finished her dissertation, so she didn't have anything in particular to do. And I had a U.S. tour, and then there was only a month in between. So it's like you right. know these things expand to right. fill the right. space available. And it's like well, we're going to end up at Lake Baikal. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, you have two. Op- op- options at that point you continue on for the three more days on the train of all the way out to to Kamchatka where there's you know there's nowhere really to stop or you can take that southbound turn through Mongolia to Beijing and so we did that nice when um now you note in the book that you've always been a uh a dedicated Slavophile like had you done this type of tour over there before at like this large Uh, the scope of it in the in the Slavic world, I had not. Yeah, not. No, I had been going to Ukraine at that point for a couple of years. Yeah, um, and had played a couple scattered shows, but I hadn't attempted an organized tour. Yeah, um, but I met a guy. Um, I was in the UK in 2010 or 2011, 2011, I guess, with Frank Turner. Yeah, and I met a guy at, at one of the final shows of that who was a. Uh, a young Russian guy from St. Petersburg who was booking an American songwriter in Russia, and I asked him, "Would he help us help us with that tour?" And that was uh-huh. the seed of it. Yeah, I, I'm about halfway through the book now, and mm-hmm. what what I find first of all, it's it's remarkable. Thank uh, you. And I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. It is actually it's a um, I I don't the best way I could describe it. It's it's almost like a travelogue. It's a little bit of if you are familiar with like. Not just Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, but the writings of like Hunter S. Thompson, mm. people like that. There's a specificity in this that, and that's why I'm halfway through it because you have to uh, you have to savor. It. It's a very like sensual book, uh, and it's fu- and uh, like it literally is the last thing I would have expected. Like when I'm reading a book like this, you know, you, you read stuff about touring, you read these stories and stuff, but, and they never like focus in on like how this particular like piece of bread might have like soaked up some, some liquid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, for me, it's, it's the opposite. The, I, the, 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 the show is the least interesting part of yeah, any of, yeah, of any traveling tell. to me. And I, it was actually f- pretty far along in the process 
where my editor said, you know, you should at some point you should maybe describe what the show looks like. <laughs> you know, and I was like, really? Well, but like, why? That's like so boring. Yeah. You know, that's the thing that's always the same every day. Mm-hmm. And what you want to describe is the thing that's different, which is the surroundings, which is the particular flavor of the town, which is the 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 individuals in each place and and how they talk and what their experience is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when I travel, that's what I I look for. I look for those very like minute things. Yeah. Like, how does this? How does even like this beer taste yep. here? You know, we we traveled uh, to Iceland last year, last August actually, mm-hmm. and you are almost forced to slow down and do things like that because there's nothing there. Well, and all the, you know, there's a couple levels of it. One is I wasn't exactly, especially to, at the beginning, I wasn't exactly sure what the book was going to be like. Right. So my way of getting into it was just sitting with a notebook and describing everything mm-hmm. around me and writing down what everyone was saying. Oh, nice. Um, and then, and then that sort of eventually, you know, this certain strains emerge. Yeah. From that, from that massive description, um, and. Uh, and yeah, and the other the other thing about about once you're describing some of these places, especially in Eastern Europe and and in um, in Russia, is you're and on the on the Trans Siberian Railroad, is you're walking paths that a lot of travel writers have walked in mm-hmm. the past. You know, whether it's from Chekhov to Paul Thoreau to Rebecca West and Eva yeah. Hoffman, and yeah. and so um, I wanted to engage a little bit with the the literary history of all these places, especially because, like most, like a lot of Americans, that's was my first introduction to to the Slavic world was reading right. Russian literature as yeah. a high schooler, um, and so to compare those those impressions from 2012 20, to, to 2015 with um, you know, descriptions from the 80s, from the 60s, yeah. from the 1860s, yeah. from the uh, 1820s. So, you know, having read all that stuff, how did uh, the experience, because, you know, we'll we'll build up something, whether it be a performer, you know, what they mm-hmm. do, what the show's going to be or something. How did that experience match up to what you found? Uh, well, it's interesting. It's a little bit, I think it, in sociology and in history, it's a little bit out of fashion to talk about a national character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but there there has to be something in the fact that you know if you read De Tocqueville, you can mm-hmm. recognize something of contemporary America in his description yes. of of American yes. attitudes, and it's the same with reading um, you know reading Custine or reading Chekhov about about Russia in the in the early nineteenth century, mm-hmm. and recognizing similar attitudes towards politics towards. Um, you know, towards towards daily life, yeah. this sort of like black humor, cynicism, yep, um, that pessimism that just sort of suffuses um, suffuses Russia specifically, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think people, definitely people in in Europe, but people in Eastern Europe, um, certainly I think are more comfortable talking about na- a national character, sure, than 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 Americans are, um, because I don't think Americans necessarily recognize. The things that are that are distinctively even right. stereotypically and, and, and American. Part of that's because we're just too damn big. I mean, America's a big country, a big we, place, yeah. and, and I don't think we travel as much as yeah, right, right, because because you can spend your whole life without leaving even your region of America. Yes, yes you can. Um, you don't you don't necessarily get that outside perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah, you said that uh, the show was the most boring part when you weren't writing about it. Was doing this uh, sort of a reaction to that? Because I mean, you're you're a you're you're committed to your performances and everything, but you're you're a pro at this now, and you've been doing it a long time. Mm-hmm. Was it just sort of like looking, reaching out for something new, 
Uh, well, even if I wasn't writing a book, the interesting thing is 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 often the the, um, the idea of the the venue being different, the people being different, mm-hmm. the town being different, the country being different, right? So one of the things I recognized when I started doing solo touring instead of touring with bands is that I had a whole new freedom about where I could go, yeah, um, and that I could start to do things like um, subsidize going to places that I was interested in going by booking a tour there. Right. Um, this was actually an idea. The, uh, the light bulb went off when I, I ran into um, uh, Matt and Kim, who I know from yeah. a long time ago, in, an, in a, randomly in an airport. And I was like, oh, hey, you know, what are you guys up to? Where are you going? And they're like, oh, we're going to Alaska. Oh, that sounds fun. You know, yeah. How'd you, what, what's going on up there? Oh, we just wanted to go to Alaska. So we asked our booking agent to see if they could get us a show. Yep. And, you know, it's all backline. We don't have to bring anything. We play one show and then that pays for our whole our yeah. whole vacation in Alaska. I was like, oh, that, that's, that's the way to fact, do it. In fact, we had uh, Lucy Dacus down here who's just like coming up. She, she's from Richmond. Yeah. Uh, she just signed to, I believe it's a Matador. And when we were talking about travel, that's actually how she wants to do. Like they yeah. would give up their apartments and then be like, well, we want to check out this co- this part of the country. How do we figure this out? How yeah. do we get this, bo- this gig booked? I mean, what I've started doing, it, it, especially if I'm going overseas, I'll do, I'll do half of the tour in places where I know I've, I've, I've been, I know I'm going to make some money yeah. and it'll be fine. Like, you know, say I'm going to Europe for a month, I'll do two weeks in Germany and Poland, Yeah, right? That'll, that's that's my profit. Right. And then I'll do two weeks and I'll try to go to France or I'll try to go to Serbia or like yeah. where where is where's going to be interesting or, you know, where did I meet somebody last time who said, oh, your show here is not so great, but but next time let me book it, it'll be really good. You know, yeah. That happens a lot. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot in this book too of... Uh, these characters that come off, and this is where I, I got the uh, sort of the Thompson feel of it. They come off as almost larger than life, and I don't know if that's uh, some of them f- are. Some of them. Fun- that's just uh, yeah. the way I'm painting them. Yeah, I, and that's okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's a function though of the of uh, the geography, like where you're traveling or anything, or if that is like an intent again to bring you into this like experience. Because like once you start, you're I haven't really. Read, I don't read a lot of travel books, and I haven't read one quite like this, mm, that's where good. where you're sitting down with it, and, and you are literally transported. Like I, I even in the first chapters, like I feel like the trains that you and your wife rode on. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, and that's so hard to do. I think, but well, it dives right into it, you know, yes, it begins yeah. in medias race, right? And that, and literally on on those tours, you know, I'm just I'm I just left out the parts. Um, the, you know, the, the, the month I'd been doing already yeah. in, in Germany and, uh, and right. Netherlands and where else. Cause that's like, you know, a lot of people have that experience. Yeah. That's not, that wasn't as interesting. Um, and so you're just like, yeah, you're, you're on it in the first five pages. You've been through three countries already, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is, you know, that's, but you feel it like as a reader, as a, as a reader, like, you feel it. Yeah. Like you feel like I'm traveling with this and I'm like, I want to slow down. I want to take time with it. I want to understand it. Yeah. Uh, because it's a lot of stuff if you're not familiar with the region like you just this is new to you yeah um and and it's fa- it's just fascinating how it unfolds even as far as I've gotten well and when I was trying to sell the book the people who were skeptical of it were like I don't I don't see what the narrative is like it's just it's I mean, it's meandering and I was like give, well yeah give, that's give them the first it, five pages that is what it is you know yeah. <laughs> like it's a it's a travel log that's the that's the through line yeah um and uh, and it's about hanging all these different um these different topics about about 
you know, what punk rock means about about the rise of right wing nationalism, yeah. about the 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 way that um, that aging counterculture figures often make a turn towards reactionary right wing nationalism yeah. in their in their in their older years about um you know the through line of of literature in the context of all these places yeah. um and the the contrast between the way um uh each each of these countries has adapted or not adapted to its to the post communist world right um but um but yeah the through line is yeah. you know is just is the travel oh, it's there it's the and, and and like to that last point it's like you you aren't necessarily going to understand that if somebody just goes in a, a reporter say for the Washington Post and just like reports on this like this is how things are doing mm. you have to be uh what you are like on the ground like seeing this everyday life you know a slightly slanted a slightly niche area of everyday life you know you're a touring musician so that's mm-hmm. that's a whole different thing well and it becomes more repertorial in the toward in the in the last part of the book oh, what, which is um because excuse me um you know, for the most part, I'm engaging with the history of these places. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but then by the time I'm going back to Ukraine in 2013, 2014, um, I'm there dur- while, while the, the events are happening. Yeah. So that, that's much more like talking to the kids on the ground, saying, you know, how, do, how are you engaging with this? How, do you, how, does this um, how is this affecting your sense of, of Ukraine as a, as a, as a country? Yeah. How is it affecting your... You, you know your sense of your future um you know like like one of the kids said he said it's like i'm reading a book of history and i don't i don't know how it ends yet right right um and that really helped me tie it all together especially with the way rebecca west described her book which is one of the inspirations for this which is that you know she was traveling in yugoslavia between the two world wars and she was saying you know um it would be useful to have the um, the thoughts of even the most um, you know, if we had in the histories the thoughts of even the most mundane person living in Rome right before the barbarians yeah, came, yeah. that would be useful. Yeah, absolutely. And so even if I'm talking to people that are, you know, you could feel a gathering storm, right, yeah, in, in right, Yugoslavia right, in right. the 1930s. She says, even if I'm talking to people whose thoughts are not, don't seem important now, this is, this is valuable to rec- be recorded. And that's sort of how I felt, especially, you know, in all these places, uh, but particularly in Russia and Ukraine, um, because there is such a an, a question mark hanging over the yeah. future for both of those countries, that to talk to um, a particular slice of the population that is, um, you know, too young to be nostalgic for communism, mm-hmm. uh, internet-enabled and educated enough to have expectations of and ambitions for um, European style progressivism right, right, in right. their in their lives and in their country, um, you know these are not all necessarily the people who are going to be driving the political futures of their country. Right, but they do constitute an alternative civil society. Yeah, um, with with um, with expectations that they that they want to be fulfilled in yeah. their political um, in, in the politics of their country. Yeah, yeah. Um, with respect to the to the music side of that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, having toured for how, how many years have you been touring? 
16 years 16 years i haven't toured for 16 years you're well versed in the um the american mm-hmm. touring well how did how did that circuit or even just the types of bands over there like compare to what you've seen doing work over here very derivative musically yeah. i mean as and they would admit as much you know yeah they would be like you know our our these punk the, the bands here they just want to sound like against me or hot water music right. or whatever but what i m- my for, take for a w- second i thought you were going to name all the bands you were in no, no, <laughs> no. Like, they just want to sound like you no no no, no. that's <laughs> no not at all um but what i do think is that um what was interesting to me is that they have imbibed from afar the ideals the 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 ideals of american punk rock in a way that i'm not sure exists in america yeah. right now yeah. right it's a, it's a real aspirational ideal for them and they're really trying to live up to the way that they think things are in america <laughs> right <laughs> there they, i mean there's a real there's a real circuit of for diy there's yeah. you know there's people who are trying to um yeah, ideals. I guess they're they're trying to they're well, trying they're they, they've they've really internalized you know Fugazi and yeah, yeah. no idea and 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 all the, all these these the idea that they have of the way things are in, in America and and implementing them um, under much more stressful circumstances politically and economically, right. which gets to the heart of I think what punk may. Is you know yeah. is is the it's an idea the, the idea the, and the yeah. movement and responding to that and you know to be clear if you, uh, punk over in America right now um, is largely commodified yeah there yeah. Abs- there absolutely is a DIY scene there's a punk scene but what it but there's not what this it was arc- compared to like what it is now it's commodified yeah and it exists mostly on the internet yeah like there isn't an archipelago of underground spaces that you can use to book an entire U.S. tour right that in the way that maybe there was in the 1980s but yeah, there yeah. certainly is you know in certain parts of Europe there was in Russia yeah um you know but- even that name even DIY I mean there's certainly uh, you know, last time you were here, you played a house venue. There's a big yeah. house venue network, and those are, I think, those are vital, but not. It, it's moved to being like this can be a sort of a bonus for living in a privileged culture like where we are here. To back then, it was almost a necessity. Your band didn't get it unless you knew the people. Right. Like, there was no internet. You had you had to have this network, and you had to get out and play these shows. Well, I I also think that's that's why. People take this stuff more seriously in a, in in developing countries, yeah. right? Because that's that that is the place where you can stake out your your plot of intellectual and ethical land. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, it's like, okay, people have stuff they're mad about, but but life isn't that bad, <laughs> you know. And so you don't need to be in punk rock to have a perfectly reasonable life, right? Right. And it's uh, yeah, and a lot of it is is aesthetic. Yeah, sometimes. And so, like one of the one of the things that I found so, so gratifying about it is to be playing in places where music was meaningful, in both in an ethical way right. and in a um, in a in a way that doesn't feel quite so disposable and and um, as it does as it does here. And as a fan, that's always a thing, right? That when you find that that band that feels meaningful, you can't define it, but when you find it, it feels meaningful. That's what not only you remember the most, but that's what you enjoy, you pursue, you, I mean, right? Or is that just me? Yeah. Yeah, no, of course that's right. Uh, yeah. Of course that's right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's seeing those, um, 
And I mean, you mentioned that like, the scenes aren't necessarily as big over there, right? No, I, they're. I mean, they're no bigger or smaller really than than okay. in any. I mean, you're okay. So you're talking about going to a random city in Siberia, but there's still a million people there. So there's going to be yeah. fifty punk rockers. Right. I mean, that's true. That's that's the same as going out in the heartland of the United States, <laughs> right? There's yeah. probably fifty punks in Kansas City or fifty Slipknots, you know, Topeka. <laughs> or, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a little bit like that, you know. There's an aspect of people were like, "Do these people know your music?" Or like, I, it's like, yeah, they got the internet. And yeah. also, there's nothing going on. So, and like, uh, yeah, and a lot of these places, like, no one's gonna come come there. So, the if and, you if you if you show up, people are gonna go because you that's know, what I was gonna say. Like, you ha- you have that benefit of like, it, it doesn't matter if they've heard your music. Like, people show up to see you're a live music performer, and that's that's what's going. I'm down associated that- with some bands they've heard of, so right, that's right. interesting. Yeah, but 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 like, that's what's going down that night. Uh, you know, like I said, when we were over in Iceland, very isolated. Uh, communities is outside of Reykjavik. It's hard to find like anything, but you could always find a tavern where just somebody was playing, mm-hmm. never heard of, and that's what you went. Well, and Iceland is also that's one of their their major parts of their profile in the international yes. scene is is pop music. Yes, right. So yes. there is that aspect. Yeah. Um, when uh, by the time you had finished this book, did it? like fundamentally changed sort of how you looked at it? Did it confirm the ideas you had going into it or, or did he come to some revelations? Um, did it confirm the ideas that I, I, I guess I don't quite have a, a pithy answer to that. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. That, that's a little bit too broad of a question for me to, to, I don't, for me to answer, I think. So I mean, what, my uh, ideas about what? Well, I mean, are, are you going to be seeking out more in your touring outside of the gigs that you have, uh, or I'll put it another way, are you going to explore now another region exactly like you did this? <clears throat> um, well, like, could could you see like going going into like South America and doing something? Like that? I have you thought see, about doing that. Could you see I going know into some, Africa and doing something like that? I know there's some people in in Mexico who are interested in my music, so okay. I I always think like. If this book were to were to do well, yeah, and and there was some, there was some call for uh, for um, for something similar that I would I might explore, yeah, doing that. Um, you know, there's been a change in my life circumstances since then, which is that I yeah. have a a young kid and another one coming, so yeah. I've really cut down on my touring, yeah, um, for the time being. So at the moment, you know, it would have there would have to be a reason, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so I don't know is the short answer. So, I have a couple I have so two, sort of based on the reception of this. Yeah, I I have two more um book projects that I have in various state um various states of completion mm-hmm. uh which are not related to this. Um so, you know, we'll see. We'll see what life brings. <laughs> yeah, uh did you uh being a songwriter and now a a writer writer? Did you find the process different or did you like do just do a different process or was this just sort of an extension of how you've always operated it's much harder is to it? write a book yeah um you know songs are short yeah you have that benefit <laughs> you can write a song in 30 minutes <laughs> you know it sometimes it takes a, lo- a while for them to percolate yeah 
but the actual doing of it doesn't take that long, and yeah. it's sort of fun, and then you can play it 50 times, and you feel happy of yourself. Yeah. Whereas writing a book, even if it's all sort of laid out in your mind, and you have really good notes and stuff, it still takes a year. Yeah. <laughs> and and you're, you're, you know, in an uncomfortable chair, staring at a blank screen and a cursor. I mean, <laughs> the, you know, the famous phrase is true, like, uh, having written feels fantastic. Oh, yeah. Actually writing is... is right, writing anything, yeah, it's the worst. It's, it's really the worst. It's, um... Yeah, so... But does that mean you're more inclined... Now are you more inspired to be like, shit, I need to write some songs to, like, get back into that? No, no, no. <laughs> Actually, the, where my life is at right now, to be honest, is that I'm actively trying not to write songs. Huh. Because, um... Because I just... Um... It's just just too depressing to keep to to make these records right. that that cause that cost a lot of money you have to eat a lot of shit to raise the money and then you just sort of throw them out into the black hole of the world and yeah um and people you know some people are like oh hey pretty good record you know yeah and then it and then that's it yeah and it's like that's not not worth my effort it's not it's not the uh beacon of sustenance that, that you would hope for i mean at, at this point what you know one of the things that having children clarifies is like you know it's it it's not you know, if I have ten thousand dollars to make an album, it, it's it's not really fair to my family to spend that ten thousand dollars on making an album instead of putting it into right something more productive in right. our in our own lives. So, um, you know, and and to if anybody's going to put out a record, you owe it to them to do some touring, and that's just like yeah, not a thing that's part of my life in a big way right now. So. Um, so I'm looking for things to do. Like one of the reasons I'm focusing on writing now is is um, is twofold. One is that people seem interested in it, yeah. and 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 also it's something I can do from home. Yeah. Um, so I do have a music project that I'm working on. I was just at a residency in South Carolina for three mm-hmm. weeks, um, working on on this particular thing. But it's um, it's not it's not songs like I've been doing. No. What can you can you say more about it or? Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, it's it's a thing that's been on my plate. Plate is not the, on the burner. On the burner, yeah. But never on the for a couple of years, yeah, but yeah. never quite made it to the front burner. Um, which is it's a it's a cycle of it's a choral song cycle. Yeah. For for acapella, um, there's a graphic artist uh, named Fly. Okay. Uh, who is like a old eighties nineties Lower East Side squatter. Okay. Person. Uh, she had a long time thing in Maximum Rock and Roll, and she illustrated for New York Press. And, you know, she's been right. sort of in that scene for a long time. Yeah. And she has a long running series called Peeps, which is head and shoulders portraits of all the various, you know, counterculture people, squatters, like right, right, right. homeless vagabonds, you know, train hoppers. Yeah. Uh, who have you know? She meets someone, she draws their portrait, and then she interviews them, and she sort of writes their words in the negative space oh, around wow. the head and wow. shoulders. And uh, so I, she, I, I, she gave me access to her archives, and I um, um, edited down some of the some of these people's words to huh? some of the more poetic core, yeah. and I set them for for a cappella choir. Um, the idea being that, um, in keeping with the sort of radical communitarian 
you know, anarcho-syndicalist yeah, yeah, politics yeah, 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 of the yeah. people that she's dealing with, uh, that that to have a group of people singing, you know, not requiring instruments, a group of any size, that that would be really the most appropriate musical setting. Yeah. Uh, you know, like sacred harp singing or like some of the, you know, acapella um, vocal styles of, of, of Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's what I was writing. Nice. <laughs> um, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and premiere that. I don't know, maybe early next year. Very nice. Up in uh, up in New York. It pro- yeah, in New York, I imagine. Yeah, and and th- I think that's that's cool. It sounds like that it could be uh, not like you take it on tour like Hamilton or something, but you could people can just pick it up and sing it. Yeah, I would sell it as a songbook with the CD. Yeah. But but you know, if people want to sing it, they can they can have get the songbook and 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 sing it. Yeah. Um, you know, that sort of music project is all, you know, also something that I that I'm going to pres- work on a lot more. Um, you know, I had this group called Antisocial Music that was yep. that was for that kind of project st- that and who still are going strong. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, in the years when I was touring a lot, I didn't I just, you need you need like quality time behind a desk to write that kind of music. Yeah, um, and I didn't have that for for many years, and I think I'll probably dive back into that. Yeah, yeah. Um, in so, lieu of doing more songwriting. Stuff. So it sounds like this thing just sort of kicked off a, a transition in your career. Like you're well, not having you're, a child kicked well, off a transition. Yeah, having a child, but uh, that was really it. You know, I had but, two years of sort of existential questioning, and yeah, yeah. You know, like singer songwriter touring and that kind of stuff is like. You can make a living at it on mm-hmm. on my sort of low culty level, um, but you really have to be on the road all the time. Yep. And I just that just wasn't going to happen anymore. So then it was like an identity crisis. What am I going to? For sure. Not only what am I going to do for money, but how am I going to define myself? Yeah, for sure. And it wasn't like the phone was ringing a lot. Like that kind of life also requires a lot of initiative. Yeah. <laughs> of hustling. You and, have to be out there in front of people or get somebody getting you in front of people. Yeah. And so, and, and also I had, you know, we had just moved to a, a new place. We didn't really know anybody. So I was meeting a lot of people and they say, what do you do? And it's, it's like, oh, uh, if I can't, <laughs> you know, for, for 10 I'm years. Franz, isn't that yeah, good enough? <laughs> for, yeah, for, how do I describe what I've been doing with the last 10 years of my life? Right. You know, I've been a touring musician. I was really proud to say that. Yeah. And now all of a sudden I didn't have an answer to that question. Um, and so now, you know, in this year, the answer has started to, to coalesce in a, in, a, in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's... Um, um, Oh, that was the other thing about the book, you know, uh, you brought up the, the E word existential. Uh, it can be read as an existential handbook almost. Yeah. We, uh, however you want to diminish your fame or whatever, people <laughs> really like look up to you as a performer and as a singer and a song, well, as an I artist. That. <laughs> they do. And, and you can read this and be like, Hey, you know, we're talking about never leaving your region and for whatever reason, maybe you can't, but you can read this and then sort of, uh, I guess maybe hopefully spark some aspirations to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody should should do this sort of thing. I, you know, most of the musicians I know are, are, I mean, it's so easy. That's really the thing. It's so easy to do. Yeah, like if you've got a guitar and you want to go to Bulgaria and play shows, like it's easy. Yeah, like okay, I you know I have a I have a booking agent in Germany and England who does who does that stuff, but. 
you know, okay, I wanted to go to Serbia. All I did was Google Serbia DIY punk shows <laughs> and start, you know, <laughs> and just email a couple people. And, you know, you email five people and you get a response from one being like, oh, yeah, I don't do that anymore, but here's like two people that do. Yeah. And one of them's like, oh, I only do hardcore, but here's somebody who does acoustic shows. Have, have like, you... It, it's, you know, in this day and age, <laughs> it's. You know, I, you know, I'm I I'm not that old, but I do remember when you had to send out, you know, a cassette yep. with three dollars of postage, and <laughs> you know, and yeah, um, and make a bunch of phone calls to get a show. And by God, have you considered, you know, because a lot of these bands people probably haven't heard of, have you considered uh, the possibility of maybe curating something to expose people to this music? I mean, you're exposing them to the culture largely mm-hmm. uh, of of this region, but you know, the music is still there. And yeah. I haven't listened to the audiobook. I don't know if you like peppered in the songs, but no, I didn't. Cause that's a whole licensing issue that sure. I don't think they wanted to deal with, but yeah. I, I did a playlist in the back of the book actually. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, okay. And then, uh, I did a thing for the large hearted boy website. That's going to go up sometime next week of oh. like YouTube clips of, of the, of Russia, Russian and Ukrainian punk rock in, in that particular case. But you know, again, the stuff is not that hard to find. Yeah. Um, we ha- you have to want to uh, you have to want to look for it and get a weird like what what people are dominated like in a monoculture by whatever and mm. I think it is sort of regionally based uh, mm. especially out in the country you're uh, I'm sorry Southwest Virginia you're mainly going to get country music yeah uh, and uh, but the internet does remove that barrier, and you can find it. It's just you can figure, really find it's anything. figuring out how to. I mean, that's a lot of what we've been doing. It's figuring out how you we can expose people to that, even if it's one band. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's. I find that that young kids in the post internet age have extraordinarily Catholic tastes, small c Catholic mm-hmm. tastes, um, because you you have the entire history of recorded music which is daunting recorded recorded which is daunting but people you know i don't i, I guess i can't speak for right this second but yeah. you know 10 10 years ago i was meeting you know 18 year 18 year olds who knew who who downloaded entire catalogs of you know <laughs> thai psychedelia and stuff like that right 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 <laughs> um and so you know, but but that said, I mean, in my own music career, especially in the context of people who who were who were coming at me from the from the lens of knowing the hold steady, was a very conservative crowd of people, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know, that's on them, you know, <laughs> because it if, is. if your if your idea of 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 what constitutes good music is is only that it's like a couple guitars and and a right. dude singing like right okay like i under i just got a little bit i got i've, I've got so got so bored of people being like franz nikolai is such a weird dude yeah, yeah. you know musically speaking it's like i'm not that far out no no no, 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 no. <laughs> i'm just interested in a bunch of stuff and i believe right. that it can be combined and it, and it comes out in your art <laughs> Which is um, what you're supposed to, hey, that's what you're supposed to do. But even like my solo records, I'm not making crazy music. No. I mean that's that's one of the things with you, like You the, know what it, it was the mustache, man. We just, well, it's a whole presentation, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess. But um but like I put out to us the beautiful, the last yeah. the, the last record, which is a a pretty much a, a straight ahead guitar record. And a lot of people's responses that I read were like, 
it's his most accessible and successful. It's because, like, oh, okay, because, I get it. You because know? <laughs> you can't handle an accordion? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't like, yeah, that, and that type of stuff doesn't make sense. I think, you know, at the end of the day. That's where you really see small-minded American yeah. chauvinism. Oh, for sure. But, but, you know, at the end of the day, you can combat that because a good song is a good song period. It doesn't matter how it's played. It doesn't matter the instrumentation. It's getting people over to to recognize the worth of that song. Mm. Um, I would like to believe that, but I think that, you know, people consume popular music um, not just based on the music. like For sure. Right? Like, there's people will never stop talking about the fact that I had a curly mustache. Like, that's just part of the deal of how people consume their entertainment. Yeah. You know, but it worked for them somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything. <laughs> it's, it, no, it's 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 a really weird thing because you're playing a few shows with them again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Of course, the whole study was, you know, had had pretty good success. Yeah. Um. I don't know what's the question. <laughs> no, I mean, well, it's not really a question. It's it's more, you know, getting back out in front of them, which, better or for worse, uh. You know, people might recognize them more than you. They recognize you in the band. Now you have this book that you can get out in front of people and say, "Hey, while I'm doing this, you know, check out this other music." Oh, well, that's well, that was one of the issues from the beginning, right? Is right, that is, right. is is that there was so much pressure to not do anything outside the right. Hold Steady. Like it wasn't. There was never an issue that I that I was not happy playing the Hold Steady music. I just didn't want to that to be the only, the only thing, thing that I yeah, did. Yeah. And there, there was increasing pressure from within the band to... To, <clears throat> to dial it back, yeah. To just do that. And, and that, that I just wasn't, I wasn't all that interested yeah. in. But um, I think I made my point now, you know? <laughs> like, I'm happy I, I, to go I, back I, and I play those did. tunes. I think they're fun. Yeah. Um, in, the, in the context of a larger portfolio of, of, of stuff that I do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, thanks for coming by. Yeah, my the, pleasure. The, the thanks name for of the book me. is the the Humorless Ladies of Border Control. You can get it, but everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. I, I'm, told, I, I'm seeing pictures of it in stores. I might yeah. even try to stop by. Oh, and if this is, I don't know how how local your listenership is, but I'm going to be doing a book event at Kramer Books. Yeah, in early September, maybe the seventh. Yeah, I think it's the seventh of September. at yeah. Kramer Books. Yeah. So we'll and we'll be we'll be pushing that. Great. Uh, it's going to be amazing. I, hopefully, I'll be able to make it. So. I hope to see you. Cool. Thanks a lot, Franz. Thank you. That is not a table. This is not a cup. That is not a kettle. It is not raining. My shoe is not untied. I have not been unhappy my whole life. This is not a wall. That is not a ceiling This is not a scrape I don't know that feeling Not a spoon Not dirty dishes Thanks a lot to Franz for taking time to, to hang out with us for a little while. Uh, his book, The Humorless Ladies of Border Control, is out now everywhere. Uh, you can get it in every format you want. Uh, you can even get an audiobook. I think that he's reading himself. Uh, as you heard him mention... And we're going to have a little more information about this uh, later on. He's got a uh, speaking engagement talking about the book. 
here at Kramer Books uh, in Washington, D.C., if you're listening here. So, uh, you know, keep an eye out. Uh, we'll let you know is that co- is coming up. And uh, I think, you know, I think we're going to track down like his other dates. So, if you know, you listen to us, you know, in the middle of Kansas or maybe Philly or, or New York, even, you know, we, you know, we'll, we'll have those dates available to you so you can uh, check them out. Uh, so, so check out the book, uh, check out Franz's music and just, uh, you know, what, what would be the coolest thing is if you're just hearing about him and just get to get into, uh, his world and, uh, because it's, it's, it's sort of a, a crazy, awesome place. So thanks again, Franz. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Uh, before we get out of here today, we'd like to play a track. Uh, this week we're playing a track that's sort of inspired by the conversation we just had. At the back of this book, there's a playlist. And he said he's going to be doing doing one in another publication. Can't wait to see that. Uh, but uh, in looking through these, there, there's one song that sort of resonated here. Uh, it's by an artist, a, a Russian artist called Andrei Makarovich. Uh, the name of the song is My Country Has Gone Insane. Now, Makarovich is, is w- basically a founding member of one of Russia's oldest uh, rock bands, which uh, the name of the band is Machini uh, Vramini. The, the, it translates into Time Machine. Uh, he is uh, outspoken politically and, um, and recently sort of gotten some shit uh, for performing for uh, Ukraine's uh, displaced people. Uh, during the war, that was back in 2014. Uh, so he is, he is, you know, sort of punk in spirit and and using the spirit of punk to speak out against what he sees as injustices and uh, about what's going on uh, in his country and the countries around him. So uh, we figured we'd play this song, and uh, not entirely um, <laughs> inappropriate considering what's going on here these days. So here you go. Uh, this is a song by Andrei Makarovich, uh, My Country is Gone Insane. Now, also, listen to the song, but also read this. It's in Russian, but uh, I'm going to post a video in there that has the English translation uh, in it. So it's a it's, it's fairly, uh, fairly powerful piece of work. So, uh, My Country is Gone Insane. Here we go. Premiere песня. Рождаясь, не выбирают страну. И навек не оборвать эту нить. Моя страна ушла на войну, И я не смог ее остановить. Кому власть дослась, кому с ума до тюрьма, А я не в силах эту боль превозмочь. Моя страна сошла с ума, И я ничем не могу помочь. И что тут делать, и как тут быть, Если все отныне вертно? Не надо нимбы и крылья растить, Надо просто не быть говном. И я уверен только в одном, Пришла пора выбирать. Но если решил не быть говном И жить легко, И умирать, и жить легко, и умирать, и жить, и не умирать. My Country Has Gone Insane uh, by Andrei Makarovich. Um, we'll uh, put some links in the show notes, learn more about him and uh, see what he's doing. Maybe you already knew about him. I didn't. Uh, checking out a few of his other stuff, it's, it's pretty badass. Um, 
that's our podcast for this week. If you enjoyed what you just heard, uh, you can subscribe to us. I hope you're doing that already. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play. You can listen to us on Stitcher. You can listen to us on Mixcloud. Um, you can listen to us right from the site. If you got some feedback, you know, rate us or or just send us an email and say, yo, man, that was awesome. Or, nah, man, I just wasn't hitting it. And uh, we, we like that sort of thing, and we take it to heart. Um, and it sort of helps us do what we do. Uh, and, you know, as I said, get out. Um, first of all, check out Franz's material, his whole – celebrate his entire catalog, and then uh, get his book and, and, you know, just treat yourself. Treat yourself to a journey in your mind. Um, so that's it. That's our podcast. I uh, hope you guys get out and see some live music this week. Uh, we will talk to you in a few short days. Until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. Talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi!